Hello, everybody. I uh, have a cat here on the my chair with me, so I feel so bad waking him up, but... Uh, oh. oh. <laughs> poor little, poor little Nougat. He's very, he's like, why'd you wake me up? Because we're going to go live. We're going to go live, silly pants. You have matching ears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Get your little buns. Get your buns. Okay. Awesome. So we can go ahead and get started. So, all right. We've got our little chat set up. Um, if you have questions for us, go ahead. I'm just going to type out in the chat. Um, feel free to ask us your questions as you think of them aha exclamation point send so that's in the chat now we do have a bunch of questions already uh gathered from the times we've done q a's in the past and a bunch of things we never got to so we've we we've got a whole bunch of things ready for you we're excited so hello hello it's just the two of us yeah, for some reason, this is the time when most of our audience is on YouTube on Tuesdays, but when the members of our cast are not. So we've just got me and Selene here today, which is kind of fun because it's like a, like a little one-on-one -on -one date almost. Exactly. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. And it's really sunny today here, um, as you can see. And I have to say, I'm like a plant, I think, somehow. <laughs> I really enjoy the sun. <laughs> Me too. I don't know what to do when the sun doesn't come out. I'm just like, oh yeah, wilting and sad. Yeah, you know, when you wake up and you open your curtains and it's all gray and miserable and you're just like, no, no. <laughs> It's yep. not happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So to our audience, um, just so you know, we're kind of on our mid-season break from posting right now, but we just wrapped filming our second season. So Selene, how do you feel like that went? Uh, I absolutely loved season two. I think season one was really excellent in terms of like setting the scene and laying the foundations and then I think season two we like delve deeper into like some of the more like intersectional topics of VPD and different aspects of life and different aspects of you know family and history and personal lived experiences and yeah it's been amazing uh, and I've loved every single episode and just also meeting we've had new cast members uh three new cast members and it's yeah, amazing so cool. to hear their stories and yeah so i think there's been tons of amazing like highlights from the season like what about you what uh i think definitely getting more comfortable with the cast you know like we've got a lot of sort of inside jokes now and anyone you know like i think the one that we probably repeat the most is the is sophie's thing yeah <laughs> imagine your higher self and show up as that um which i just like i just like there's something about it just makes me happy like i i you know we've grown close and now we're like 
some of us are having the opportunity to meet each other in person, uh, which is really cool. We have like several of us have trips planned all over the world, which is really cool. I, it's kind of cool to see that my vision sort of came to reality, the whole like, like, I'll be totally honest, part of the reason why I wanted to make this show was yes, for, for our audience and all of you, but also I just wanted to create the community that I thought could exist like in my mind. And 90% of the time when I try to do that, I'm disappointed. Um, and this is the first time I ever felt like reality exceeded my expectations, which is really, really, really amazing. <laughs> That's so nice to hear. That's so amazing. And I totally agree. Like when I first got diagnosed, I thought, well, it'd be nice to meet like people who are going through this, but I don't really know where to find them. And like, because also at the beginning when you're not necessarily like expressing like outwards talking about your own diagnosis, it's like, well, where, where yeah. and how do I possibly find these people who may also not be talking about it, right? Um, and this show has like, created that created that community of people that you can talk to turn to and also all that content that you can watch like I watch every single episode especially the ones I'm not on the ones I'm on is like oh but the ones I'm not on I love watching and every single time guaranteed I'm like oh this is oh my god that happens to other people as well like this is so good so yeah, yeah. I think this yeah there's so much positive stuff that we've achieved like even today I was talking to someone like in my workplace who was like wow like you know I'm so inspired by you sharing your story like I've also got VPG diagnosis but like I would never talk about it and you know and you just end up connecting with people straight away on that deeper level just because of the work that we're doing for this project and I think wow like it's so amazing so speaking of that this is so we are putting up our disclosure episode next week so I don't want to go like too far into this but you know, when we film that episode, we're primarily thinking about things from the perspective of like, if we weren't public figures, you know, sort of how we approach things in our daily life. But like, technically, like everyone has access to this information, right? The fact that we have BPD, we're basically public figures who everyone knows this. So I guess one of the questions, this is just a question that I was thinking about before we started the call, which is, do you have any fear related to that? And if so, how do you manage it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, when I first got diagnosed, I thought, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anyone about this. So I only told my close family, like very close family and my husband. And I was like, I'm, I'm never like, because I think also the cultural element of like being brought up in the French culture and having especially from like a work perspective this education around you know what's in your professional life is in your professional life and what's in your personal life is in your personal life and there's a complete like barrier between the two and I know that's changing in France by the way but like growing up it was very much like how I was brought up so I thought I'm never especially in the workplace I'm never talking about this and it still is a kind of line that I'm like really like uh, moving on like walking on to where I'm like oh I don't know so most of the stuff that I share and I'm very now I just changed it's after going through uh, therapy and really realizing no I, I want to be out there because I want to be out there for people who are not 
able to or not confident yet or just just to show that there is hope and just to share and to create this space where other people feel like yeah she's talking about it we can talk about it you know and destigmatize the conversation around mental health in general including around BPD so I got really passionate about this and I was like no I'm just going to do it and just they're going to be out there but I am still very much out there on Instagram which is for me in my mind even though I do have some colleagues who follow but it's still a little bit more personal and on LinkedIn, I know I posted my intro video and I got so terrified. I just put it out there and I was like, oh, what did I do? What have I done? Um, so yeah, and like my manager doesn't know about the specifics of my diagnosis or, you know, like there's lots of areas where I haven't disclosed fully in that sense. And yes, people may know because they might, might watch the show and I may not know that they know that I know that, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And yes, and the main fear for me that is driving this kind of in-betweenness in especially the work context is I worry that people will not believe fully in my capacity or will worry that, oh, we can't overload her because of her BPD or, you know, like so that I will maybe not get certain opportunities for projects, for promotions, things like that, uh, or clients like consulting clients, things like that. So I, I do, I worry about that side of things. Um, but yeah, it's becoming more and more public and I'm getting so much positive feedback from it that I think it's like lower, like the, the fear is lowering step by step yeah what about you like because you're out there like do you still have some fears around it or no my biggest fear actually is that not enough people will pay attention <laughs> so so I usually feel like the the hit when when because I don't know for me I'm, I'm thinking about it from like the content creation side of things it's like I want lots of people to know so I don't really have any fear about people finding out it's more the reverse it's like if not enough people know then it's then, then what am I gonna do so yeah that's one of the things I I like about the show too is that we have all of us have these very different experiences so it's it's really fun mm -hmm. um so I had some questions set aside that we have been asked let me pull those up figure out where I put them hopefully they're not too hard because it's only two of us so <laughs> <laughs> yes well I don't think we'll have anything too crazy uh let's see hmm if there is there one symptom that you, of VPD that you struggle with above the others uh, if there is one symptom you struggle with above the other ones, what is it and how do you manage it? I mean, this is that's sort of a, we basically answered this sort of in season one, but like, I think this is sort of an interesting question to think about from the context of where we are now, like not not what it was like back then, but sort of how we're doing today. You go, you go first, you go first. <laughs> oh probably dissociation and paranoia i didn't think about this until we were doing season one because when i think of dissociation you know i have a friend who has really really intense dissociative episodes and to me that was always kind of what i thought of dissociation as and when i was going through season one and 
really thinking about the symptoms in more detail, I kind of realized, ooh, I'm actually sort of mildly dissociated most of the time. Uh, I, I don't spend a lot of time in my body, so I am sort of actively working to change that. I will probably talk about this in an episode at some point, but I started doing like just a couple of, it's not even like, sometimes it's just a few seconds, like 30 seconds where I spend in the morning trying to be really mindful when I'm making and drinking my coffee. Um, and that has really helped sort of set the tone for the rest of the day of being more present in my body. I've been doing that for a couple of weeks. Um, and so we'll see how it ends up going overall, but, uh, so far it's helped, but yeah, I think dissociation and just like that, that paranoia of what other people think of me um feeling criticized it sort of overlaps with the emotional intensity but i think a lot of it is sort of the 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 thought that people are not liking me or criticizing me or you know interpreting things with a negative slant mm. what about you i think i've got two <laughs> um one is the sense of self um the fluctuating sense of self i think um i am getting like closer and closer to figuring out like who i am and i i don't know i i feel like i know who i am i just feel like sometimes i i lose track of it so i have those values and i'm like quite clear like i'm at that stage where through the therapy process i i and the self discovery process it wasn't all therapy it was all, a lot of self led you know exploration i got pretty clear on these are my values and this is what i stand for and this is really what i want to do I sometimes just get lost or <laughs> tripped up a little bit by the external uh, input and pressure to say, what about this? What about that? And I get excited. And maybe that's the ADHD. Um, I'm not officially diagnosed, but still on the waiting list. But I think it might be the crossover where I get really excited about the new thing. And then I have to remind myself, but hang on, is that aligned with my sense of self rather than just following the shiny things and in lots of different directions that in the end I'm like uh, hang on a minute this is not this is not me um and so I'm fine-tuning that and just you know come back to those core values and really reflect and take a pause before rushing to the new thing um, but it's still something that is a little bit challenging and then the other thing is the fear of abandonment and Zani you will know this um I still struggle like when my husband recently went on a weekend uh, away and I I had just had a medical procedure and so I felt really even more vulnerable and yeah just like in tears like just is he coming back and you know at some point he's going to realize that there's a more chilled wife out there for him um so yeah so that that fear of like abandonment can come back quite strongly in those particular moments. So it used to be ongoing about everything and everyone all the time. Uh, now it's more like specific instances, especially when I'm the one staying. I'm quite good if I'm the one going somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's exciting. I'm doing lots of things, la la la, you know, I'm fine. Yeah. If I'm staying in the house and he's not there and like, I can't sleep, like the bed's empty. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my God, no, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah yeah oh this is hard totally to <laughs> yeah 
I, yeah. <sighs> There's nothing really to add because I totally relate. So we have a question in the chat which says, I'm not on Instagram. I'm starting to get the feeling that when it comes to the BPD bunch, Instagram is the way to go. Is that right? And so I guess my answer to that is that we just have sort of different content. So our show is on YouTube. So to get the episodes and all of our, like all the stuff that we put all of our energy into is really the show. And that is on YouTube. We also have it uh, on Spotify and Apple. It's just the same on all those platforms. Um, we use Instagram for sort of daily short posts uh, at short as compared to the show so we'll take like clips from the show and we'll put them on instagram or we we have posts that we put up that are like we'll ask a question to our cast and then a bunch of people will like put a couple of sentences in and put that on there um so we primarily use our instagram i guess as a way to build up our community to get the word out there but the show really is uh, on YouTube. Uh, we will probably be launching a, well, we definitely will be launching a private Facebook group at some point. When we will get to that, I don't totally know. Hopefully around season three-ish time, so summer. Um, and I hope to be using our community feed a little bit more on YouTube moving forwards, uh, but it's currently me managing all of the the social sites. So as we try to figure out good way to manage that we'll we'll get you engaged so no worries you're not missing the major content i think we just use we talk about instagram a lot because that's how we all met that's how we do most of our casting and recruiting just because you know there's direct messaging it's in my experience it's a little bit easier to connect with groups of people or individuals that way um, but the show's on youtube for sure and we have patreon as well yeah, we have Patreon. Our Patreon is is growing lots lot of I was very nervous at first because we had people immediately signing up and I didn't have a lot of videos up, but I'm now getting the chance to put more on there and it's cool to see some of the behind the scenes like uh Selena and I were in the couples episode and all of our first date stories are up on our Patreon. So uh that that was really yeah. that was a really fun and little video. Bloopers. <laughs> some like extended cast interviews are on patreon so yeah if you want to support us um it would like mean so much to us um it's uh, the, the the entry subscription is very low it's like less than a coffee so um so yeah it means a, a lot to us and also it means that you can get some extra content on there as well um i, I actually subscribe because i'm such a fan <laughs> um and i love it i love it i'm just like every time i go to the gym you know i run on the treadmill Honestly, every single time I'm like watching a video or listening to some of the BPD bunch, it's so much easier because the run goes like two minutes. <laughs> well, otherwise, I'm like, oh, am I done yet? <laughs> All right, let me, let's pull up another question. Let's see. Have you had any negative reactions when you told anyone you have BPD and how did you deal with it? We did that as a post uh, recently, actually, for those who are on Instagram uh, around some of the negative responses or like judgments that you can get. Um, I have to say, for me, it's been few and far between. Um, it, mainly people don't know what it is or don't really understand. Um, and you can sense that some people are 
curious. And so then you have more of an opening to share. Whereas some people are a bit more closed off, like mm, they don't really want to go there. So then you kind of have to kind of gauge from that. I did have one really uncomfortable conversation with a work colleague where I had just come off of another call where I had disclosed and it went really well. And so I think I just took that energy into the next call, like not really thinking that much about different people, different situations. Um, and that came with a lot of judgment around things like, oh, uh, you shouldn't over identify with any diagnosis. Like, why do you, you know, feel so strongly about BPD? I mean, surely, like, maybe you don't have that, or maybe it should be called something else. Or it was a lot of like, like completely dismissing um, mm -hmm. that. And that was really hard for me, very triggering. Um, and I have to say, like, in the moment, I didn't say that much. I just like brought it back to the work discussion and just moved on from it like just but then afterwards and that's what I found the hardest when people when I feel because sometimes you don't know but you take it in and you feel like you've been judged or or dismissed or stigmatized in any way it's it's rather than in the moment for me because I tend to stay quiet which is maybe not the best but it's afterwards like how do I deal with how it makes me feel and my emotions and the shame uh, especially that can come after and the anger that I haven't expressed in the moment and all of this. So yeah, I've been using a lot of self-soothing, which if people know and watch the show, they will have heard me say a million times because that's my favorite skill ever. Um, and check the facts. I actually messaged the VPD Bunch group and I was like, this is what and what do you think? And everyone was like, oh, this is not fun. Oh, felt so validated in this experience. So I think if you have trusted friends or other people it was BPD or not, but just to, you can trust with these things to help you to think, okay, am I overreacting? Like, is this emotion level and, and emotion in the first place valid? That can really, really help. Um, and otherwise go for a run, <laughs> smash, smash a pillow, you know, or something. Mm. <laughs> Exercise is one of those things that's so underrated. It's like, I think part of it is so many of us have gotten the advice of like, you just need to exercise. And so at a certain point, you're just like, oh, stop saying that. Like, it's not that simple. And it isn't that simple. No. And like, I, it's taken me a long time to realize how much uh, stuff I just hold on to in my body. And so it's not that like exercising necessarily gets rid of, you know, it's not going to get rid of BPD or, or, you know, it's not the cure-all, but gosh, like there are some moments when dancing just completely changes my day you know um i'm trying to think of specific instances because uh, in terms of telling people that i have bpd i think most people don't know and then i think because it came in the context of me being very over the top a lot of people's reactions was just were sort of like overwhelmed but it was hard to say if it was because i told them i have bpd or if it was because i was just being really extra <laughs> um that's one of the things that i think is kind of challenging sometimes when we like gauge people's reactions you know like i i was i've disclosed my diagnosis to like medical doctors before and then i certainly got the impression that they were treating me like I was a hypochondriac a little bit, like I was, 
you know, they like that they didn't really need to take my concerns seriously. But again, I don't, I can't be sure if that was because I disclosed the diagnosis or if there was something else about my behavior that gave them that impression. Um, and and it, it can be hard to tease that out. It, I'm nervous to, to say for sure either way, just because I don't want to put intentions or thoughts in other people's minds. But at least my interpretation has definitely been that once I told medical doctors that I had BPD, some of them seemed to think, oh, well, we don't have to take her concerns seriously because she's obviously just dramatic about everything. That's been my interpretation. Just to be really clear, that's how I interpreted it, but I can't say for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? That's the two different parts of this answer is around, you know, how do you deal with the moment when it happens and your interpretation of that moment, but then how do you deal also with the kind of ongoing or the next step after when you're on your own and you're kind of digesting or rethinking and sometimes overthinking about what happened and how did I interpret it what was my emotion my behavior what was their yeah. part in it and like all of that dissecting sometimes that is hard to do because especially when you're in emotional mind and you're just like ah <laughs> yeah how dare you I question me and who I am and <laughs> I, I think I try to separate it out into sort of like dealing with the, like, I think the, the thought itself that I give it, letting myself sit there and go, well, like they didn't say for sure that this is why they're doing this. Like, I think just mm -hmm. having that mindset is really helpful. Not assuming that they're doing that. They're mm -hmm. like stigmatizing on purpose mm -hmm. or treating me differently on purpose. I think that is one thing mm -hmm. that helps. And then sort of secondarily is the issue of like, okay, so how do I manage this relationship mm -hmm. with this doctor or whoever, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm getting better at giving people more of a chance when it comes to like doctors, I used to just be like, I bye, I'm never seeing you again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, you know, it's not like there's a limitless number of health professionals of the world. So it's not like you can just keep burning all your bridges. <laughs> um so yeah. definitely being more cautious about just lashing out at them for sure yeah and I think you mentioned on the previous episode in a slightly different context I think it wasn't about friendship but I thought it was really useful because it can be in this situation can be at work and everywhere is around if if you're in a safe space and you feel like comfortable to do so is, is asking people's intention so actually you know if you feel like someone is like being stigmatizing or judgmental about the BPD you know to to ask you know oh yeah. um, you know I, you've just said this can you tell me a bit more about what you mean or what what was your intent behind it just so I understand you know where, where are you going with this or you're just asking those questions to clarify because again it's like trying to understand am I feeling like am I internalizing something that's not there or is the judgment really there because sometimes also what we subconsciously do and we don't realize is that we have a self-judgment and inside we are judging our BPD and we're judging whether we have enough BPD or don't or have too much BPD or behaving in a like we, we are carrying that self-judgment and so we're reading it in the other person but actually it's the mirror effect of how we feel about having just put that out in the open so I think it does help to like just ask some of those questions not like why or why are you saying this but in a like yeah. caring like open yeah. way you know, what you just said about like being 
reminded me of uh we got another question at some point about like being bpd enough which i think is so funny that it sort of draws attention to this is not like a specific bpd symptom but it's definitely a trend that i've noticed that that so many of us try to um fit a particular image of something and we even do that with the bpd label right in order to belong it's like am i bpd enough to belong but i can't i can't be too much because i still have to belong to the group right (laughs) so i just think that's such an interesting thing that that's something that we get asked sometimes it's like how do you deal with like feeling bp like are you bpd enough i just think that's that's such an interesting interesting thought right yeah, especially when you no longer meet the criteria for a diagnosis, but you've lived with BPD as part of your journey for a long time. It's like, okay, so how does that fit in? You know, is it still part of the puzzle of my identity, but in which way? Because the piece of the puzzle takes a slightly different maybe shape or size, you know, in the overall like puzzle of everything else. So it's like a re- shuffling these things and and just making sense of it uh for yourself and also for yeah the belonging to a community to others and um yeah and again be it's interesting because yeah I do ask myself that and especially when I'm like feeling like I'm I'm going through uh, like a, a good time you know if things are okay and I'm like did I even have BPD? did I make all this you know you just start to question everything and then you're like oh my goodness yep. where am I going with this so yeah but again it's remembering that all these things are judgments as well and <laughs> you know not necessarily helpful because we're trying to somehow judge like do I fit here over there it's like Ah, yeah well I mean I'm I'm always saying you know being emotionally sensitive is not a disorder right but I part of the reason why I'm always saying that is because I'm trying to remind myself that that's true because I keep that's my biggest challenge is you know when I'm feeling good it's like I don't even have this anymore and then I may feel a strong negative emotion and it's hard not to be like oh there's the BPD it's like no that's not BPD right? Like it's, that's just being human. And that, that is one of those things that is really easy to say, like being emotionally sensitive is not a disorder, but getting myself to believe that is really hard. And I think you and I were having a conversation recently about the realizing that the version of ourselves that we're trying to be is not even human and, and realizing that, you know, Maybe we should have, yeah, we're trying to be robots. It's like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to, someday I'll be recovered enough that I don't have that reaction to anything. It's like, okay, well then you're not even a person anymore. Okay. So that's not, that's not happening. It's really hard in the moment not not to like, yeah. I have achieved ultimate version of healing. (laughs) I do not feel anything. Yeah, that is not, definitely not the goal. No, no, it's, yeah, it's so true. Like, I think it's important to remind ourselves of that Um, and to have people in our lives who help us remember as well, I think, like, uh, not to put all the burden on ourselves to, you know, always, yeah, it's good to surround ourselves with people. Like, I know, you know, some people in my support system uh, at home and also in the bunch, you know, are really good at this as, as validating to say, 
well, this is happening in your life and it, this is sad, you know, and it's okay to be sad or, it, you know, this is happening and, and you're angry and it makes sense to be angry. Like just having those people that will encourage you in that direction. Um, Cause especially I think when you've grown up in a more, I would say validating environment where those big emotions were like, oh, you know, don't be so sad, go to bed, you'll feel better tomorrow. Or like, don't be so angry. It's not, girls are not meant to be angry or whatever it is that version of different things that people would have heard, you know? I think it's, yeah, it's nice to shift that and have people that reinforce that, those emotional, um, you know, displays. Obviously within reason, like I'm not saying if you're breaking down a wall that someone should say great you're you know because this is the behavior this is the difference you're not validating the emotion you're validating the behavior so being being mindful of that but yeah i think those people are really important yeah so that they do but you mean they validate the emotion and not the behavior yeah yes that's it yeah exactly yeah and that can be hard i mean it's it's actually interesting it's one of the things that we're thinking about bringing up as an episode topic at some point is, is validation because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I remember having a conversation with um, one of my parents about the difference between validation and like permission um, mm-hmm. because permission is sort of like the permission to, to engage in a particular behavior. Right. And, and I think, sometimes it looked to my parents like what I was asking for was sort of the permission to do whatever I wanted with my emotions. Um, but validation is just holding space for those emotions and not saying that necessarily that behavior is justified, but acknowledging and, and, and yeah, holding space for those emotions because it's hard to change what you don't recognize as existing right and when you when you can look at an emotion and say oh like here's jealousy or anger or you know sadness then you can figure out what to do with it but when you say oh it shouldn't be there or whatever it's like okay well but it is here right it is here so i I have to deal with the the thing that is here the emotion (laughs) (laughs) yeah i have to navigate it and hold space for it and and yeah, and finding that balance between uh, self-validation and external validation. Self-validation is really hard, I think, especially early on in the journey for most of us. Um, you know, it's like we've never learned that skill for ourselves, right? Otherwise, we'd be doing it. Um, and I know that, you know, some people really think that that's the holy grail, right? Is learn how to self-validate so you can be totally autonomous in that way. I have a more nuanced vision of it because I think that we're all interconnected as humans to each other, to nature, to, you know, everything around us, animals, plants, everything, right? Um, and so I think that, you know, yes, self-validation, amazing. Like once we're able to do that and I, it's still something I'm learning and practicing consciously, like as much as possible, it's really hard. Um, it's amazing. And it, it, at the same time, it's totally okay to, you know, um, have the validation also come from others. And um, it's just a case of 
again, it's in the nuance, right? You're not begging yeah. for it. You're not, you're not like needing it to breathe and survive, which, I mean, I've been there. So I, you know, I can relate to being in that state where you're craving constant validation, external yeah. validation, because you, you just, you need it to survive, to do things. Like you just, yeah. Um, so it's not that, but it's like accepting it when it's there and, and, you know, making it part of, again, keeping you, human and 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 having community and all the positive aspects of it yeah i don't know what yeah. do you think about that like are you more of the self-validation camp or a nuance camp or <laughs> i mean i think i think for most things it's always it's always very context dependent um and so i guess True. the nuance thing um because i i do think it's important that we learn to validate ourselves and that at the same time we're social animals so it doesn't really you can't go in the direction of like i have to be able to be the only one who validates myself all the time i think it's more of being able to validate yourself in the instances where others validation is not available you know when you need it to be able to adjust um because you know i mean people don't on average there are some exceptions but most people don't do great in isolation right if they if they did then all of the quarantines and during covid wouldn't have been such a big deal right but so many there was yeah. mental health problems like skyrocketed um there's more layers to that obviously um and i'm not a expert in that field but uh you know we don't we don't do great on our own we'll put it that way and uh well that's also why it's used like in prisons um as a yeah i mean know, it's a punishment like, right ultimate, like putting someone, yeah, the yeah. Ultimate yeah. punishment yeah and and so mm -hmm. i i don't think it's realistic to expect somebody to never need others i think just being able to recognize like when you need to be able to take care of yourself and when and i think that, that it, okay should finish the sentence and when it's appropriate to lean on others. And I think maybe that's part of the, the fine tuning of recovery for those of us who have BPD is trying to figure out when to do which of those things. Because um, at least for me, I know I've, I, I maybe have gone too far into the independent uh, direction because I was very dependent in the past on others uh and then i was i was like okay i'm just not gonna ever do that again it's like okay no that's still black or white thinking right <laughs> the goal is True. to get to a place where you're you're adjusting based on the context but that takes so much practice and sometimes it's really hard because because i think there's a lot of mental skills and like mental health skills that you feel like you should just be able to understand and then use all the time and and that the concept of practice is harder harder to accept like for me it's much easier to accept that it'll take me a long time to learn to play the piano because it's a physical skill that requires you know muscle memory and all of these things with my body and that makes sense to me but for some reason when it comes to these more cognitive skills or emotional skills i have this myth that i believe that i should just what if i understand it i should be able to put it into practice immediately and it's like it doesn't it does not work that way <laughs> at all yeah we're retraining our brain to like using the neuroplasticity to build those new neural pathways that are different yeah. to what some of us have done for decades 
So it definitely takes practice and time. And yeah, a lot of the things that you learn, whether you pick them up, you know, for your own research or for therapy and different ways, they're so simple. You're like, really? Is that what you're going to tell me? A bit like what you said about exercise. You know, everyone is saying that, like, if it, you know, and yet <laughs> they're not easy. They're not easy and they require that commitment and that practice. And I, I used to say, and actually it's a good reminder, um, you know, I choose recovery every day. Every morning I wake up and I choose the path to recovery. And that's how I started to see it. And that was a big turning point for me because before I used to think I need to just fix myself. I need to find a fix. And once I find a fix, then everything is fine from then on. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now I realize that, no, actually, it's like a daily recommitting to, you know, that path instead of the path of self-destruction, which I have been on and I didn't really enjoy it that much. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think realizing that I got, I get to make that choice for myself mm. was really powerful. Because I think there was a while where it felt like I had to change because other people couldn't stand me. And I didn't, it, I didn't really realize that I was the one mostly making myself miserable. It's not that other people didn't contribute because they did, but you know, um, when I realized that I really got to decide whether or not I wanted to put in that work, that sort of, it just sort of changed the flavor of it for me. Um, because it didn't feel like I was doing something because somebody else was like giving me an ultimate was giving me a, it, it wasn't as if someone else was giving me an ultimatum basically it was mm -hmm. I get to just choose this for myself because I want to be happier you know I think there was a time I was comfortable in my misery because that was easier than doing the work to be different <laughs> um, and then I got to a point where I was like you know I don't I don't actually like being miserable. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, there is comfort in what you know, and there is a lot of fear in the unknown. And so I think when you're so used to being in a certain state of behavior of mind or whatever it is, like you're describing, it almost becomes comfortable because it's so habitual. And you're just like, this is the way it is kind of thing. Yeah, if you... If you could talk to that, that you of that time, what do you think you would say that, you know, would be helpful or? I guess I would probably ask that version of myself to imagine the life that I want to be living and what that, you know, whether or not what I'm doing now fits that image or not. And to, and to specifically not consider other people's opinions. You know, and I think mm -hmm. if I had stopped to think about it, I would have realized that a lot of the things that other people, at least in, in my case, this is not going to be true for everyone, because I know a lot of people get suggestions that are, goes, that do go against their values. But I, I think for me, it was, you know, people were suggesting that I work to be different because they knew that I wasn't really living in alignment with my values and they knew it was making me miserable, but they weren't very, you know, they didn't have that kind of language. So it was like, you need to do this or, you know, and uh, if I had stopped to think about what I actually wanted, I think I would have realized that it was pretty similar to what other people were trying to push me to do, but I just rejected following 
anyone else so much that it was, you know, as they, what is that, the phrase cut off your nose to spite your face? That was <laughs> sort of one of those moments. What about you? Now I regret asking you the question. <laughs> um, Oh, this is gonna be an emotional one. I think you're 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 gonna find your people. Like you're you're it will happen that you will find that sense of belonging by being yourself. Like you don't have to mask and cut your I saw this image recently, a, a colleague of mine, if she's watching Karen, she sent me this image and it, it's just, I can't stop thinking about it. It's this um, star and it says something about if you keep pushing the star into uh, the, the box, it will lose its shine because it's breaking its ends, you know? And I feel like, at, at one point, I just broke my own starry bits to fit in that box because I thought I had no choice. I thought this is the only way that I can survive, that I can be safe, that, you know, I can meet expectations and, you know, try and be perfect and make people around me proud. And I, I wish that there was a a voice in me or outside or somewhere that said it will happen the world is a big place and you will find that place where you belong and that people will actually love you even with the big emotions and the quirks and you know when you do the wrong thing because you just speak too quickly and didn't think about it or whatever it is that you know um put me in trouble all the time <laughs> and it took me like honestly it's taken me because that that version existed like when I was four I was just like dancing on stage not a care in the world like I just like and then the you know the bullying and everything like unraveled that and it it's taken me a good 20 plus years to even begin to unlearn and to be like hang on a minute maybe I am acceptable you know as I am and so yeah I would say like no just keep doing you like it will it will work out, yeah. That's so beautiful. <laughs> we got another question in our, in our comment. So it says, do you at times miss the bad parts of VPD or still fall into the trap of justifying bad behavior um, as a result of VPD? Um, Cause the and the it is added. Uh, Cause it can also be pretty freaking awesome. So I guess I would say that when I think of BPD, I specifically, as somebody who went to school for psychology, I I kind of think about it differently than a lot of people do. I really think about it in terms of like what is disordered. And the, I used to kind of think of BPD as my whole identity, and now I what I categorize as being BPD is just the disordered parts because. Partially because I don't really like blaming my, like giving my BPD credit for me being creative or sensitive or, or caring about other people or, you know, being empathetic, all those things. I don't, I don't really know if I, if I want to give a disorder credit for that, you know, like I, I feel like those are parts of who I am 
that are not really connected. So, so, so that's just to give a little bit of when I say give my answer. That's sort of how I look at at BPD. I, I think I sometimes miss the bad parts because when one of the things that I used to do was I would kind of explode on people and sort of dump all my emotions on them and then force them to have to deal with it for me. And I think one of the challenges that I experience now being sort of in a more functionally recovered state or space is that you know, if I'm not dumping all of that on other people, I have to take ownership for it. I have to feel it and move through it and sit with it. And I don't get to blame them. And, and, and in those moments when it really hurts, that's when I miss the more destructive BPD behaviors that I used to engage in because yes, they had way worse long-term consequences. And that's why I no longer engage in those behaviors. But it, in those moments of pain, sometimes I'm just like, man, I wish I could just scream at you and slam the door and, and go self-harm or something, but I know now not to do that now, right? So it's very hard in those moments. And I think too, you know, the other, mo the there's one other moment when I really miss how I used to be. And that's when I hold it together and no one notices. Mm. No one says like, oh, you could have been really mean just then, but you weren't, right? <laughs> Like next time you have to text and, me and I'll yeah, be like, and, you could have been really mean. <laughs> <laughs> so in those moments, it's very hard not to want to be like, see, see, this is why I scream and yell because otherwise nobody knows how hard I was freaking working to hold it in. It was so hard. But I, I think, I think that I try as much as possible in those moments to be like, okay, tell it back to the self-validation thing, validate myself and, and say, you know, go you, you know, like, isn't it great? You're at a place now where no one knows that you could, that you had a strong desire to scream and yell, like, great job. You kept it together. And it's hard to be that cheerleader for yourself. It feels really inauthentic sometimes, especially when you crave validation from other people. But as much as possible, I do try to do that. And I think with my husband, sometimes I am really direct. I'm like, can you, can you tell me I did a good job? I thought about saying something really mean, but I didn't, so. <laughs> High five. <laughs> High five, yeah. <laughs> so what about you? Are there any things that you miss? I think the part when you said about like the lashing out, for me, it's lashing out on myself. So it's always been like really self-directed behaviors. And even like just last night, I was having massive, massive anxiety because lots of good things are coming up, you know, great things like this project and lots of other things. And I want to do them all. And I'm very excited. And at the same time, I don't have enough hours in the day because I still have a full time job. <laughs> um, and I just I'm trying to do all these things in the evenings. And it's just like and I just got this anxiety moment where I'm like so overwhelmed. And in the past. I would have engaged in self-harm behavior to release some of that. And the, 
annoying thing is that that works. You know what I mean? That's why it's so hard to stop, right? Um, and so in that moment, just thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go back because I know that I'm now able to think about how I'm going to feel tomorrow. So I know that it's going to feel good in the moment, but it's not going to feel good long term. So this is not effective. What else can I do? And yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. My, my husband, he saw it coming and he was like, pillow. And so I just like absolutely nailed the pillow to the, like, like just hitting <laughs> And that feels really good. So it's like replacing, I suppose, some of these um, with more healthy, like the pillow is not in a great state. I'm not gonna lie, but it's a pillow, do you know what I mean? It's not me, so so that's good. Um, and uh, uh, and yeah, so I think that I miss that. I don't miss the behavior at all. I just miss the feeling after where you go like, ah, oh, you know, and finding healthier, more effective ways to get that feeling without the damage to the self, to others, etc. That's that's been instrumental. There was another part to the question, but I forgot what it was. Oh, was do you still fall into the trap of justifying bad behavior uh, on your BPD, like blaming people? Oh, that made me giggle. I've done that ages ago, maybe like six months or something. One time, we're having an argument with the husband. I know he's watching. Sorry, I'm talking to you. Uh, I'm talking about you so much. <laughs> Um, and I said, it's not my, it's not my fault. I have BPD. And then I thought that is terrible. And I never want to say this again because it's not fair. Like I said these words, so I got to have ownership and yes, BPD comes into the mix. So having self-compassion for myself that, you know, it's not always easy and all that, but also not like it's trading again, it's trading that nuance and that line between like taking ownership and also not shaming myself or blaming myself, like finding that middle ground uh, where, yeah, maybe BPD was part of it. And at the same time, I said those words, so I need to own them and apologize properly and not just blame everything on my BPD. So I, I don't say those words. Sometimes I do say, oh, I think I'm having a BPD moment or I can feel a BPD moment coming or I try to use it in this way also to preempt things, um, not to get yeah. out of hand. Um, so that's been my strategy on that one. Yeah. What about you on that one? I think sometimes, yeah, I think if I, so if, for anyone who's done dialectical behavior therapy, one of the, the concepts that they, that they talk about is a skills breakdown point, which is basically where your emotion dysregulation is greater and more and bigger than the amount of skills you have to deal with it. <clears throat> And so when I hit my skills breakdown point, that's when I'm the most vulnerable to blaming BPD. I, you know, as long as I am able to, to regulate myself and use my skills, I don't, but there are moments very rarely, but I will sometimes be like, well, I have, but I have BPD and da -da -da. you know, it's, it's hard not to, not to get to that point. And I think you, you know, for me, it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, being more preemptive. Um, I, I try to, I try to avoid getting to that skills breakdown point because that's when I'm the most destructive, um, to my relationships in particular. So 
you know, more, more, more often than not, sometimes my emotional dysregulation won't even be that intense, but I'll step away from a situation because I feel it building. And I'm like, uh, I have a lot of control right now. I don't want to wait until I don't have any, right? So I'm just going to take care of it this yeah. exact moment. We did get one more question. Unfortunately, we don't have time to answer it, but I don't, I don't know if we're really qualified to answer it anyway. It is, what does a man look for in a relationship with a woman with BPD? Neither of us are guys, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're qualified yeah. to answer no, the question. <laughs> um, but uh, we will probably be doing a an episode uh, in the future about because um, we did a, a relationships episode where we talked about how we maintain our relationships, our long-term romantic relationships with BPD mm -hmm. in the mix. We'll probably revisit the topic and look at it from the perspective of like, how did we get to have those relationships? Like, how did we find those people? And, and how did that, how did we know that that was the right fit, I guess? So we will, so we'll be, re 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 I'm tripping over my yeah. words. We will be revisiting these topics. So. Yeah, it might be worth saying that. Well, I, I could be wrong, by the way. So we'll have to ask the guys, like you said. But it might be worth saying, like, I don't think a man necessarily so, is, like, is seeking a woman with BPD. Particularly, I mean, I've never heard of a BPD festival before. <laughs> so, but yeah, we might have to ask the guys <laughs> how that plays I'm, out. I mean, my husband didn't know I had, I didn't know I had BPD when we got together at all. So there's that yeah. too like you don't necessarily know from the get-go so yeah this is a very interesting question we should take it away and get back to you thanks for the question mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so uh oh we just got a comment the depth of you and your cast amazes me thank you so much the whole lot of you you are most welcome we appreciate we really have a lot of fun with this and thank you so for joining me for this like one-on-one -on -one, <laughs> like live date this was this was cool um yeah, so we will yeah, be, <laughs> we are doing an Instagram live tomorrow for those of you who follow us on Instagram. That's, we usually do our lives on YouTube, um, but this was just, we haven't done one over there in a long time. So we, we need, we need to, we will take the recording though and put it up on all of our platforms. So even if you don't follow us on Instagram, you'll be able to get a copy of that live video. Um, I'm trying to make sure I, I just drew a blank. I was try, I'm trying to think of all the things I need to make sure I say. Um, Follow oh, us yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we, if you, for those of you who are, are in our top two tiers on Patreon, we will be doing early access again, starting tomorrow with our disclosure episode. So, uh, and if you are not in one of those tiers, that episode will be coming out next week on all of our platforms so we will see you then and to those of you who are supporting us on patreon again thank you so much for your support it really means a lot and we will see you next time